send folks maybe one out of a hundred to those least reach places, but in the Alliance, almost 80% of our workers are on the front lines. This Christmas, we celebrate Jesus. Our vision statement is all of Jesus for all the world, and the reason we even have all of Jesus is because light came into darkness, a baby was born. But the all the world part is a mandate to us, to the church. And as we partner together, we take all of Jesus, all of him, all his healing power, the gospel to the end of the earth. As always, when you give to the year-end offering, you are creating gospel access. You are the front edge of missions. When you give, you plant churches, you send workers, you see people come to faith. So this Christmas, as you consider where you're going to spend and where you're going to give, I want to invite you to create gospel access in those least places so that we can live out our vision statement, all of Jesus.
Um, we want to praise you in worship, in our thoughts, in our the way we spend our time. Um, God, help us uh, to grow in that, to be uh, loving to one another, and um, to really uh, give you everything we've got. Uh, we ask that you would bless this time that we get to spend together, and uh, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you may have a seat. Good morning, good to see you. Glad you found your way in here. Obviously, as you can tell, the parking is getting better every single day. Now that we have part of our gravel lot back, it's improving. And now, as you've noticed, on the other side of the building, there's a giant hole, so don't park in there. But now there is the option to park in the gravel, which is not paved, and then across the street, our little treasures who have graciously opened up their parking lot to us on Sunday mornings. But glad you made it in here. Just have a few announcements for you this morning. The first of which is that our Wednesday night Bible study is now changing, we're rebranding to Wednesday morning Bible study. And as you can see, our crack team uh, who make our graphics uh, has been on it this morning, uh, making that. Not to uh, brag, but yeah, I'm the one who uh, ingeniously created that. And so our Wednesday night Bible study is moving to Wednesday morning now that we're getting into the deep dark South Dakota winter. So we're switching it up and moving it to Wednesday mornings at 9.30. And there are some of you who have expressed that you will be able to make it now at 9.30 on a Wednesday morning. And so join us in Dark Hall across the way for our Wednesday morning Bible studies at 9.30 a.m. We're currently in the Gospel of John. And after six weeks, seven weeks, we have made it to almost chapter five. Almost. We'll get there. We'll get there. So we're taking our time through the Gospel of John, really digging deep and trying to get as much out of it as we can. So Wednesday morning Bible study, 9.30 a.m. The next is that this Thursday, um, we're having a tech training. So if you would like to be involved in helping set up in the mornings or helping to run sound or slides or anything involved in tech, join us this Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. in this room for a tech training. And especially for those of you who have helped with slides in the past, one of the things that we did this last week is we actually changed our slide presentation software. And so if you thought you knew how to do slides, we wanted to make sure that you made it to tech training, so we just changed it all on you so that nobody knows how to use it. Brilliant, right? So we changed that up, changed up the presentation software. We think it's going to be simple and smooth and helpful. But you're going to want to join the uh, tech training so that you actually know your way around this program. But join us 6.30 p.m. for a tech training and we will provide food for that as well. So it, it pays to be on the tech team. <laughs> next announcement, next Sunday after church, um, we're going to have a class on baby dedication. Um, and so if you haven't noticed, there are quite a few babies. Um, I guess they're not in this room today, but quite a few, we've got one that counts. Um, quite a few babies um, and then upcoming babies in our congregation. And one of the things that we practice in the Christian Missionary Alliance is child dedication. And so we're going to have a class next Sunday on what exactly this practice means. Why do we practice this act of child dedication? What exactly this means? And then to schedule some times um, for our families to have a Sunday in which they dedicate their child to the Lord. And so if you're interested in that, join us for that class after church next Sunday in Dark Hall as we explain this practice of child dedication. Also coming up which I'll actually need the slide to uh, know which one is coming up. <laughs> the following Sunday, um, we're having South Dakota Kids Belong come um, and to give us a presentation on how to help 
foster children, and foster families in our area. And first, I would just encourage you, uh, you might be thinking, well, that's kind of a big ask, that's kind of a big thing that I could not be involved in um, in this community. That's going to require too much of you. And I would just ask you, don't close the door on what God might want to do in and through you when it comes to foster kids and families, because you would be immensely surprised at just how little help can go a long ways when it comes to these families who are fostering children or when it comes to the foster care system. There is so much that all of us can do. And I really feel like this is going to be a time in which God is calling us to reach out to our community and to be a blessing and to serve as disciples of Christ. And so I would encourage all of you, Sunday, November 14th, to stick around after church. South Dakota Kids Belong is going to provide lunch, so we're going to have lunch for you. And they're going to give a presentation on how it is that we as a church can bless this community and can work to help foster kids and foster families. And I promise you there are so many different things that we can be involved in and that we can do that isn't going to involve you taking home six kids at the end of the meeting. I promise there are things that we can do that are manageable and doable and that will go a long ways for extending Jesus' kingdom reach to this community. So please join us Sunday, November 14th at 12 o'clock for lunch and for that presentation. And then the last thing, um, we'll skip that one, but the last thing is that we have revamped our newsletter. And so as we continue to try to, sorry Luke, don't be offended. Hot Topics is tonight at seven. You guys know that. Come, there you go. <laughs> but we have revamped our newsletter. Uh, we're doing everything that we can to try to increase our communication to you guys and to communicate as a church. And the newsletter is just one of these ways that we try to communicate as much as possible with all of you, especially as we are moving into a season in our church when hopefully we get very serious about outreach and being active in the community. That's going to require that people are informed, people are ready and able to show up to help to be involved. And so we're doing anything and everything that we can to increase the amount of communication that we give you guys. And so subscribe to our newsletter um, so that you can get those emails weekly that we send out so that you can be informed, you can know what's going on here, and that we can just communicate and continue to be connected with you as much as possible. Sound good? You're all going to subscribe to the newsletter now? We have links on the website, we have links on the Facebook, we have links everywhere. Find your way there and subscribe to the newsletter. Sound good? Everybody's going to do it? Awesome. Well, hey, with that, that is all the announcements I have for you this week. So I'm going to invite you back up to your feet. And would you greet one another this morning? Good morning.
Makes it tough.
different ways that you can give up on the screen. You can give online, you can give in person. We have a little box in the back there. Or uh, you can give through text with that number, 605-789-GIFT. But one of the things that we wanted to start doing periodically is to give some financial updates and even some financial explanations as well. Because first and foremost, I think we all have to acknowledge, what is the worst thing we ever have to talk about at church? Money. Oh, doesn't it just make you cringe? But we think that one of the things that we are called to do is just address the elephant in the room and address the reality of money and the fact that we use it and that God calls us um, to give of our tithes and offerings. And one of the things that we want to do as we continue to just be transparent and open with the congregation about money is we also want to give some explanations because we recognize that in the CMA, our giving is just about as complicated as we can make it for you guys. Um, especially if you've looked online, um, if you're giving through our Easy Tithe account there, you'll see that there are a few different accounts that you can give to, a few different ways that you can give. There's the Great Commission Fund, sometimes there's Marketplace Ministries things, and then there's this thing called Benevolence. And I want to give a little explanation on what Benevolence is this morning. Um, because it's something that we as a board have just been really working on, and that is writing a new benevolence policy. For those of you board members, you know like what a fun time that was, right? Everybody gets into ministry to write benevolence policies. It's just a fun time. Um, but benevolence, it's this old school word that's used to describe the church caring for people's basic needs. That's the purpose of a benevolence fund. That's the purpose of that little tab that you see on our Easy Tide account. It's that benevolence is to provide for those in our midst's basic needs. And really the foundation of having benevolence in church comes from Jesus telling a story in Matthew 25 where he said that my disciples will do six things. They will care for the sick, they will visit the prisoners, they will give food and drink to the hungry and the thirsty, and they will clothe those without clothes, and they will provide for the needs of the poor. And as we look through the New Testament, since Jesus made that instruction to his disciples, we see places like in James, um, James, Jesus' brother in chapter 2, he explained that, you know, if you are in your midst, in your congregation, and you say to a fellow church member, you know, be blessed, be well fed, and be clothed, because you know that they are not well fed, that they're not clothed, and that they don't have these basic needs met, and that you just wish this upon them and do nothing to help them, then James actually says, well, this is basically an example of a dead faith, of giving this wish on someone without actually doing anything about it. That wish without action is like faith without action. And so as we continue to care for one another, as we seek to be Jesus' disciples who do those six things, who care for one another, and who live out our faith, we just want to remind you that the Benevolence Fund exists and that it's there to care for the people in our midst who have needs. And so whenever there is someone in our congregation who comes up to an unexpected health crisis, who spends time in the hospital, who has a car accident, um, who runs into financial difficulty, the Benevolence Fund exists for us to gather around as a family and to supply for the basic needs and to bless one another. And I think it is something that Jesus calls us to, and it is something that we really value here at Common Ground. And so as you give, if you're ever wondering, what does that word benevolence mean? Well, that's what that means. And so I would encourage you in your giving, in your seeking to be a disciple of Jesus, would you be aware of those needs in our midst? And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and pray as we move into this time of offering. So would you bow your heads? Well, Father God, uh, we just recognize that, that often our gifts are so small, especially when it comes to the needs 
in our midst when it comes to the things that people are facing. But God, we just know that you are the one who takes the smallest little lunch and multiplies it immensely to supply every need. And God, we just know that, that you are drawing us to be generous, that you're drawing us to practice benevolence because of the benevolence that you've given us, because of the generosity that you've given us. And so Jesus, as we seek to be your disciples, would you continually remind us of the calling that we have to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe those without their basic needs, God, to, to care for one another. And so Jesus, would you just continue to move us to this place of generosity? Would you just take these offerings that we give to you? Would you bless them? Would you use them to do more than just provide for financial needs, um, but to spread your kingdom on this earth where it's so desperately needed? So Jesus, we just give you the sun. It's in your name that we pray.
Jesus, um, thank you for this time, for uh, giving us your grace, for giving us peace um, in every circumstance, God. Um, we just ask that you bless this time uh, and bring and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Nick, and I'm actually speaking on behalf of Charlie here because he just checked in via the live stream just to let us know that um, he's uh, at Hot Springs Hospital, and he wants to thank everyone for uh, the prayers. He covets them dearly. He is recovering, but slowly, uh, and he's doing so with the Lord's grace and mercy, and he just wanted to wish blessings on all of us here. on Friday over um, the MIND campus and students with the um, bomb scare and just, just thankful that everyone's safe and protected. And then I would like to ask for prayer for my mother who's been in a nursing home since July. And my siblings and I have a meeting this Wednesday with a social worker to gain some information on um, possibly bringing her home, and if we do that, um, to get adequate care for her. So there's just a lot of pieces of the puzzle that have to be worked out, and um, and then on top of that, my mom isn't sure she wants to come home. <laughs> She's kind of grown grown to like it. So just really prayer for wisdom. Tatiana. <coughs> so last uh, weekend, we went 
with my daughter for three days, uh, celebrate her grandparents' 60th anniversary and your grandma uh, Evie's birthday. So I praise a lot for this uh, good trip. Was um, uh, how it was painful for me to drive. This one was very good, um, and I want to ask to pray for. Uh, my health, please. Uh, so I did some tests um, and was found some masses in my body. So tomorrow I'm going to do ultrasound to see if it's not the uh, uh, cancer tumor. So please pray. Thank you. Tuesday night, um, there was a very bad car accident, and um, friends of ours, their nephew was in the car, and um, he lost his life, and his wife is in um, pretty bad shape. She's having to have a lot of surgeries, and there's six children involved. Um, between her sister's children and their own children. It's just really a very tragic thing. So, um, I just like prayers for, for them. And it's my understanding that this family are the children of the original founder of this church, or the planter of this church, is that correct? Yeah. yeah. The Edwards, they've yeah. got yeah. a long history. Yeah. Joey, um, just on the note of like said, I mentioned the bomb threat to Mines campus and um, the car accident on Tuesday. Just pray for emergency response personnel, just generally. I feel like I've seen a lot of them this past week, and I know they, um, you know, they're the first ones to see a lot of this horrible stuff. So just pray for um, them that God would be with them, and then also just that, um, yeah, they would be able to do their jobs well and help, help and, yeah, save them. Again. Settle. And um, 
taking care of her for a year. And the, he gave her till noon today. And then he's calling the police to come and help him. But I just pray that it'll be peaceful and that she'll leave. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is like kind of gone. Um, hi, I'm Luke. Um, I don't know, last week, two weeks ago, time was hard. I was shared about how I was feeling pretty overwhelmed with just having come back from COVID and having just so much catch-up work to do. Um, and so I guess just pray to the Lord that God has given me a lot of peace in this last week. Um, like Evan's sermon, like, sermon last week was exactly what I needed to hear. I think it was last week. Anyway, um, so I just pray to the Lord that I'm feeling like a lot better and feeling a lot of peace. And thank you all for your prayers. Um, I'm Audrey, um, but some of you know that I've been on crutches since mm -hmm. August, um, so I'm off of those as of Wednesday, and my foot is feeling a lot better, uh, so I'm just really thankful for God's provision and um, healing me up before snow starts and I have to get more out of classes and slippery, <laughs> so yeah, thanks for that. Mark, uh, the um, many of you know Peter and Tanya Kinney. Uh, they're opening their hospitality house, the new ministry for Cadence, this week, and uh, start on Thursday. It's aimed primarily to, but not exclusively, for uh, the military personnel of Ellsworth. But it's a home away from home where people can gather, Bible study, dinner. So it's going to start on Thursday. We're excited. It's been all summer long getting the house ready and so just praise the Lord that it is going to happen. <coughs> Anybody else? <coughs> Alright, let's go to prayer. Father, we just thank you for these requests that have been brought before you and um, we thank you that Charlie is doing better in the, hosp uh, the hospital and that he's giving us strength back. We thank you that he was able to connect with us today online. We continue for praying for his healing and for his wife as they have gone through so much in the last months. And we just praise you that he's, his health is getting better, even though it's slow. And so for Sally, we thank you for her prote the protection of the mind student this week. And also for the, um, as Joey said, the emergency responders that came and all that they have to deal with sometimes they are very difficult and we just praise you for protection for all the students there and for Sally and her family as they try to make decisions for her um, mother and uh, wisdom and guidance and just as they process this and we praise you that her mother has done well where she's at, but we pray that she will adjust to coming back home uh, to be with her husband. And but just give them wisdom and what needs is her needs are and what is best for her. And for Tatiana, we thank you for this trip that uh, she was able to go and spend time with um, family. And also we pray for her health as she has some more tests done this week. We just pray that you will give uh, the doctors wisdom to know exactly what's going on 
and give her peace in the midst of the unknown. And we just pray for healing for her. We pray for Eileen, this, the family that um, she mentioned that was the uh, nephew who was in a car accident and just a traumatic experience that was and the grief and the pain that they're experiencing right now. And you know all the details and you are there and I just ask for peace in the midst of this great storm that they're going through right now. And we just praise you that you are there with them. And for um, Antoinette, we've her time with her family and now as she prepares to, to take classes again, I just pray that you will um, meet her need and just be with her as she goes through these times. And um, just the adjustment of being back here, and we just praise you for, uh, for her participation on the team here on the music and how she loves to serve you here. And then we pray for Cookie and for her nephew who has had this woman in his apartment and the deadline is at noon today and we just pray that it will be a peaceful resolution and that this woman would leave without having any major conflict. And we just ask that you be there protecting all that are involved. And God, we just thank you for this time that we can come before you and worship you and praise you and thank you for all that you are doing and are going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. for leading us in that time. Um, so it is October 31st, and uh, as it is on October 31st, a lot of people like to dress up for this day. I noticed that uh, Emma Crossman has shown up in her regular elfin beauty uh, that blessed us this day. And beside her is her husband, Daniel, who dressed up as an intelligent person. Uh, and, and then there's Tyler, who dresses up every single day of the year. It's just hard to know what he's dressed up as uh, when he does that. But I did see your Dora the Explorer uh, picture that you rocked, and I hope I never have to see it again. <laughs> but I wanted to, uh, before I get into the sermon today, I, I wanted to just take a minute or two to talk about that this is the end of October, which has been branded by some big, huge organization at some point could be Pastors Appreciation Month, sort of thing. Now, this could be a time where I shamelessly make an appeal for pumpkin pie, because that's how you can best show your appreciation. But what I really want to do is uh, take a moment to say how much we need to appreciate the women that are married to us guys, uh, like Lena, Kat, and my wife, Lori. Uh, we could not do, us, us guys that are up front here, we could not do what we do uh, were it not for their support, their tireless efforts. Uh, they take our bullets for us, uh, and they are uh, serving in so many different ways. I mean, look at Kat and Lena. They are working with uh, children at school, and they have an opportunity to minister through doing that. My wife works at a medical clinic. And uh, so she's dealing with people that are suffering and hurting. And all day long, that's the sort of thing they're doing. So they're very involved in ministry as well. So, um, you know, these women, they walk in grace and beauty. And 
and I just want to take a minute to appreciate them and thank them for all that they do uh, this Pastors Appreciation Month. Pastors Wives Appreciation Year is what it ought to be. Uh, so, uh, so blessings and thank you ladies for all that you do. All right, so this is the beginning of a new series. Um, we're uh, filling in about four weeks uh, before we do the Advent series. Can you believe that? That we're rolling up onto the Christmas series. And uh, this is kind of a neat thing because every so often we get to um, kind of interspace between our series uh, some practices. And uh, as Pastor Evan was talking a little bit about this, we really thought that, and, and he really thought that it was a good idea to call this series um, Disciple. Because really that's what it is. It's, it's followers of Jesus putting into practice the basically the fundamental um, functions of one who follows him. And that's what a disciple is. The Greek word mathetes is, uh, it just means a student or a learner. And once we become a Christian, once you start a relationship by faith with Jesus, that's what you do. You enter into a learning process that you will walk through for the rest of your life. And really, you don't have to do that alone. We, it's something we all get to do together. So in these next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. So here's, here's our wish. Uh, in, in Jesus' day, there were these guys named rabbis, and Jesus was one of them, who collected a bunch of students to themselves, or disciples, and one of the key thoughts that, uh, that permeated this whole kind of master-journeyman-apprentice relationship was that you would have, as a disciple, that you would have the dust of your rabbi upon you. Because they would travel, they would walk about, you know, their school wasn't in one location where the people went to. The school was wherever the rabbi went. And uh, the idea was that the disciples were to follow their rabbi so closely, so, uh, so intimately, that the dust that he kicked up on the road would then fall upon them. And so, uh, I'm not sure what that looks like for a Christian disciple today, but I'm sure that God will make that plain to us. So, uh, that's our prayer and that's our, that, that's our goal for each and every one of you here, that uh, the dust of Jesus would somehow... Uh, settle upon you. So before we get into the message, let me pray, and uh, then we're going to look into God's Word. Fathers, we come before you today. We are so grateful for this place and this time, a place to gather together, uh, a time in which we can set aside all other things and do nothing but fix our eyes on you. Because, uh, Lord, if our eyes are fixed on you, then we cannot help but worship you. Because you are an amazing God full of glory, full of grace, full of beauty, full of goodness and righteousness. And that, Lord, those are things that are so foreign to us. So, Lord, we want to see you today. We want to see Jesus today. Would you make yourself known to us, we pray. And may these words uh, that spill out of my mouth uh, somehow be translated by your Holy Spirit to be just your words. And would you speak to our hearts, God, and help us to know how we might follow you as, uh, as your disciples today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so let me start off with a question. Can you think of somebody, anybody, 
that when you spend time with that individual, it has enhanced your life in some way. Okay, husbands and wives, you should be looking at each other right now. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, so if you've got somebody in mind that you can think of there, uh, just think about some of the benefits that have come into your life just because you happen to know them. Uh, when my dad passed away a little over a year ago, one of my students at school asked me this question uh, and said, what was, what was your favorite thing about your dad? And, uh, you know, that was an interesting question. I, I guess I never really thought about that. What was my favorite thing about my dad? And so it made me think a little bit. And I, and I realized it was just being with him, pretty much. Anytime I could hang out with my dad, it, it always made me feel like it helped me to be a better person. Uh, doing that. My wife and I have a couple of friends, the Bryants. Uh, the, the, the word friends is really too small for the relationship that we have with them. And they have moved on to uh, Boise, Idaho. When, and that distance has, has had an, a, a huge impact on us because we used to spend our weekends together uh, so often. And, uh, I, and I know Lori would say this, that, that, that it's true for both of us, that man, a little time with Bill and Eva was just what our hearts needed. And, and it always, it, man, it fed us intellectually, it fed us spiritually, it fed us emotionally, it fed us in so many different ways. It fed us physically, too, because Neva made some killer enchiladas. <laughs> so I, I wanted to have that picture of, of us spending time with somebody because the first of our uh, disciple series is about being with Jesus. So, Luke, I guess you can take a nap now because you were so touched by uh, Evan's sermon about abiding with Jesus in the true vine. Uh, I, I'm not sure why Evan did this to me, but he gives me the first one that uh, pretty much follows. I, I just got to write in, I'm, the dust of Evan will be upon me <laughs> as I go through this. That's not a bad thing, not at all. All right, so um, another thing about this. We're going to be jumping all over the Bible, and so hopefully, uh, hopefully there will be some slides that pop up here that uh, will direct us to some of the scriptures we're going to be looking at because we're going to be popping all over the place. But I want to start with Matthew. Uh, here's something I found that's really interesting, reading the Bible over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell you to my shame that I've probably read the Lord of the Rings more times than I've read the Bible all the way through, uh, which is 15 times. Uh, so I'm trying to, I'm playing catch up now, but I've noticed something that you can't just read the Bible once and get it all, right? There's just too much there. And, and a lot of it, Jesus is just saying, look, you're not ready for that yet, okay? So come back, dive in a little bit later, and then uh, something will come in. And he just constantly is speaking to us. And uh, I've read through the Gospel of Matthew a good number of times now, and, I, and I've never noticed this. You probably have, and I'm just catching up with you. But it's, it's these two passages. It's the beginning of Matthew's story of Jesus and the ending of Matthew's story of Jesus. Uh, Matthew begins with a, um, a genealogy, so it's not much story. It's just a whole bunch of names. But when he starts to describe the beginning of Christ's story, uh, he quotes out of Isaiah, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Matthew very politely gives us an explanation in the parentheses there, which means God with us. Okay, that's how Matthew wanted to start this, is that Jesus is God with us. And then when you get to the very last verse, the very last passage in Matthew, the one that we know as the Great Commission, right? 
It says, And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now here's an interesting thing about the word always. Uh, we don't have an English equivalent for the Greek word that's put there. So when we read always, we just tend to think of a matter of time. Well, it's speaking about a matter of time, but it's even bigger than that. It's Jesus saying, in every way that I can conceivably possibly be with you, I am with you. Now just take a minute and soak that in. Jesus with you. What we're talking about today is, well, us being with Jesus. And being with Jesus begins with God already being with us. And uh, I, 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 have to, I have to probably start off with a little confession is that uh, I, I have a people quotient, all right? I'm kind of an introvert. I see Jake nodding his head there. He gets that. Um, I, I hit my people quota somewhere around Tuesday, okay? And, and it begins on Monday, and with this mass of, of humanity right here, that already, that already takes a big chunk of my quota away from me. And then uh, somewhere later in the week, and Evan can attest to this because we usually have our staff meetings uh, on Thursdays or Fridays, right? And uh, somewhere about then, I can be sitting in a room with Evan and Matt, but I am not with Evan and Matt. Okay, my brain has gone, yeah, Matt's back there laughing. <laughs> so I've seen it. He, says, he, just, he goes off to another planet or something. Have you ever done that when you've been with somebody but not really? Me too present with them okay and that's something that i think we all want to work on right we all want to be a little better at that that when we are in the you know with somebody that we are actually present with that that individual as well uh but you know i, I have to confess that it's easy to do that with jesus too isn't it and we just take for granted that he is with us and the reality is is that sometimes we're not present with him. So hopefully as we look into these passages, we'll see a little, uh, a little better how we can do that. I want to start with how Stephen in the book of Acts describes Joseph of the Old Testament. Remember Joseph, okay? Uh, one, of the, one of the brothers amongst the tribes of Israel, sons of Jacob, okay? If, if there's anything the Bible teaches us over and over again is that brothers are jerks, for the most part. Okay, there was never a good brother on the picture until Jesus stepped into the scene. And even then, his little brothers had a hard time understanding that he was the Messiah. But uh, Joseph, you know, sold into slavery and all that sort of thing, goes and works for a man in Egypt by the name of Potiphar. He does his job well, okay? And then Potiphar's wife um, makes a move on him, and he says, look, that's not something that I'm supposed to be doing. So he flees, leaving his garment in her hands. Okay, that's, a, that's an aggressive lady. Uh, and then she doesn't handle rejection well. So when Hubby comes home, she then accuses Joseph of having assaulted her. 
Okay, now here's a guy that's getting kicked in the teeth constantly. If anybody would say, it's not fair, you know, it would, it would have been Joseph because of the way he'd been treated by his brothers and now what's happening here. Uh, so Stephen describes this. He says, and the patriarchs, that's a very nice name for the jerk brothers, <laughs> jealous of Joseph, <coughs> excuse me, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. Okay, while life was not fair, God was with him. And then in Genesis 39.2, if we go back to the original story that, that, that Stephen's referring to here, it starts off saying, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And I think sometimes that's what we think God being with us looks like. Oh, I prosper. Oh, I'm successful. Oh, everything works out for me. Everything's puppies and posies right now. So God is with me. Okay, but if you continue reading the story, you're going to find out that, that that's not how it's, it's defined. Because as I said, Joseph then, because of his master, his Egyptian master, uh, ends up in prison. And when we read on in Genesis 12, 39, uh, down to verses 21 and 23, it says the same thing. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Now, again, in that context, it looks like, <coughs> see, everything works great as long as God is with me. But we have to remember, <coughs> pardon me, is that what's happening here in the midst of all this is that Joseph had just helped a couple of guys out with uh, interpreting dreams for them. And then when they were released, uh, Joseph said, hey, please don't forget I'm down here. Pass the word to Pharaoh, you know, that I'm languishing down here. And they promptly forgot about him. So in the midst of this hardship of being forgotten, Joseph just continued being faithful and worked as a steward. And I think that's a very important principle for us to catch here. Is that... God being with us means that we are to be faithful with whatever's been entrusted to us. I think another principle that comes out of this is that we see that it's usually in our most difficult circumstances that we really appreciate God being with us. I should mention that my wife and I have been diagnosed not with COVID, <laughs> but with RSV. And uh, it's been a long battle, and it's going to continue to be a long battle. So, been aggressively treated, <clears throat> but <coughs> unfortunately, this cough is hitting me. Probably one of the worst times it can be. So, I appreciate your patience and bearing with me. <coughs> and I'm sorry, I'm coughing into that mic, but I can't speak, but it's right there. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, <clears throat> I'll bear with us if I can. Joseph was definitely out of his comfort zone, kind of like I am right now. And uh, I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to be willing to step out of our comfort zone. And not just to find God being with me is when I'm comfortable and everything works just for me. Just for me, because that was never the idea of Christianity. That it was somehow just for our benefit and our benefit alone, but for the benefit of everyone around us as well. So, uh, one of the things I've noticed is that when Jesus said he would be with us always, is when we're in the process of making disciples. If we're not in the process of making disciples, we're probably not going to sense the presence of God in our lives. But man, once we step out and say, this is scary, but I'm going to do it. It's amazing how God shows up. Now, whenever you step out in faith or in obedience, uh, as I said, that's usually us stepping out of comfort, stepping out of our safe zone, so to speak, and maybe stepping into something that can be quite challenging uh, for us. Uh, Isaiah chapter 41 and also chapter 43 uh, kind of says the same thing, an encouragement that was given to Israel now, Israel was called to be God's disciple-makers in the Old Testament. Okay, that's what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to go to all the nations around them and help them to know this God that was with Israel. And, and here's what God says. If they're going to do that, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's what it looks like to have God with us. He strengthens us. He helps us. He holds us up when we think we're going to fall apart. In Isaiah 43, uh, it says this, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel. And I believe that because of what Jesus Christ did, that this is a statement that we can receive for ourselves as well. Uh, for the body of Christ because he's created and he is building the church he is forming uh, the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it fear not I have redeemed you I have called you by name you are mine now kids just let that one sink in for a moment that the creator of this universe the almighty God would say to us who have rebelled against him, who did things our own way, who walked, walked off and wandered in, under, after our own pursuits, that the heart of Jesus towards, his, uh, it, towards us is, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Because you see, Jesus wants to be with us. That's his desire. And then he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Did you see what happens there? When we're walking with Jesus, as we said, there should be some kind of a benefit when we're with somebody that somehow it enhances us. What, what we're just told in Isaiah there is that we will not be overwhelmed, that, that we will not be burned, and that we will not be consumed. Because let me tell you, if you step into doing the ministry of the kingdom, and that's what every believer is supposed to do, not just a few hired hands. It's going to be consuming. 
You're going to get burnt. <laughs> uh, you're going to feel overwhelmed. That's because stepping into obedience is always something too big for you. Always. Obedience isn't something that's, oh, I can handle that. Well, I can take that one on. I think I might be gifted for that. Obedience is something that's going to stretch you. Obedience is something that's going to turn you inside out. Obedience is something where it's not going to be about you and what you accomplished, but what God can do. Because stepping into obedience is always a God-sized task. And so isn't it good to know that as we step into that, God is with us and he wants us to be with him. Remember Moses uh, when he was on Mount Sinai? And God says, all right, let's do it. Let's go into that promised land. Let's get these Israelites down there and give them the land that, uh, that I promised to their father Abraham. And Moses is very quick to say this, not without you. You find somebody else, God, if I have to go alone. I will not do this without you. And, and, and that really should be the heartbeat of every disciple of Jesus as he calls us to go out and to make disciples, more disciples in this world. That it's, it's, it, our first realization is, not without you, God. Not without you. I cannot do this alone. Now, the next thing I want to look at is a couple of just common guys, because that's how they're described in the scripture. And of course, I can make all kinds of jokes about the name of our church and things like that, but I'm not going to. I think we realize that we're all ordinary people, right? Uh, the only thing extraordinary about any of us is Jesus. Uh, and that's the same thing about the first disciples of Jesus, John and Peter. You know, they're probably the closest friends that Jesus had amongst all of his circle of disciples. And in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John, they had just done an amazing thing in the name of Christ. They couldn't have done that without Jesus being with them. And by being with Jesus, they were able to see a lame man and say, Hey, look, I don't have any gold or silver to give you, but what I will give you, I'll give you the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And so all this happened. And, of course, that ended up getting uh, Peter and John in trouble with the Sanhedrin. And so they were hauled before the council. And this is what the, the council, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the chief priests there, uh, and the scribes, this is what they saw in Peter and John. In Acts 4.13, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Anybody here kind of a timid person? A little reserved? You know, it's like, yeah, you know, I don't like confrontation. I'm not stepping into that sort of thing. But to follow Jesus, we've got to be bold. To be where Jesus is, you've got to be bold. To, to do what Jesus calls you to do, you've got to be bold. Be strong and courageous, God said to Joshua, because I'm with you. And, and, and the same thing's being told to us now today, that, that, we can, uh, that we can rise up in faithfulness and obedience to God to fulfill the stewardship that he's entrusted to us. And to do so boldly, because if we relied upon ourselves, we'd sink real fast. But if we have Jesus with us and we're with him, then we can go forth in confidence. And, and, and they saw something else besides their boldness because they also perceived something. They perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished. And we might do the same thing. Oh, well, I don't have the degrees. I don't have all the training. I don't have all the background and, and, and all that. 
sell ourselves short for everything that we don't have as followers of Jesus and forget the one thing that we do have, and that's the presence of Jesus with us constantly. And, and, and then it says this, it says that they were astonished because they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now think about what were the telltale remarks of a disciple that has been with Jesus. I think it's real simple. They see the rabbi's dust all over them. And what I mean by that is they start to look like Jesus. They start to act like Jesus. They start to think like Jesus. They start to speak like Jesus. And they serve and they love like Jesus. That's, that's what Peter and John were doing at that time. Now, Peter and John, we might go, yeah, those guys had it made. I mean, being with Jesus, they actually were physically with Jesus. I wish I could be with Jesus, man. Have you ever thought that way? Wish I could have lived the time they did and walked where Jesus walked and, you know, heard the sound of his voice, you know, see if he told silly jokes, you know. I, I bet Jesus told bad jokes. <laughs> I don't know for sure. I just bet that. And, I, and it's really easy to think, man, I wish I could have done that. I would think that Peter and John would look at us as believers to, to say, today and say, man, I wish I were in your guys' shoes. Because we got to walk with Jesus for three years, and then he left. And he told us he was going to leave. And we were not happy campers when he broke that news to us. But then he reminded us of something else. So being with Jesus isn't just about having the advantage of walking physically with Jesus. It's, it's something else. They walked with the physical Jesus, but Jesus had something much more in mind for us today. In John chapter 16, verse 7, when he broke the news to these guys, he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, you know, I, if I were Thomas and the rest there, I mean, especially Thomas, what do you mean, Jesus? How, how is this going to help us? I mean, we, we've been walking in your shadow the whole time, and we would have been toast without you if you'd not been with us. And now you tell us you're, you're going to leave us? I would have agreed with Thomas. But Jesus says, it's, it's better for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, which Jesus referred to over and over again in this context as the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, then I send him to you. And I can almost picture Jesus just a little bit excited about that. Now, if I go, then I get to send the Holy Spirit to you guys, and it's going to be awesome. Because he goes on to say that you guys are going to do greater things than I've ever done myself. Now, right away, I'd be sitting there ticking off things like going, all right, like the demoniac casting a legion of demons into a herd of swine. That's pretty impressive. Uh, healing uh, lame people. Uh, cleansing lepers, um, calling Lazarus out of the grave. That's big stuff. But you know, when the helper did come to Peter, the very first thing that Peter, you know the guy that every time he opened up his mouth, something dumb came out of it? Right? When the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, he opened up his mouth and he preached to a hostile audience. He even accused them of having crucified their Messiah. And in that day, 3,000 
people became followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. He went out and he made disciples because the Spirit of Christ was with him and he was with him. See what happened there? Being with someone should, especially Jesus, in some way enhance our lives. Jesus never once preached and led 3,000 to faith in him. In fact, there were times when Jesus preached and thousands abandoned him. And Jesus says, look, I'm going to send you out into the world to go and make disciples. Uh, and, and I'm not going to send you alone. I'm not sending you as orphans. I'm giving you my spirit, the spirit of Christ, to dwell with you forever in all ways, in every way possible that can be there. So that's to your advantage. Now, that means walking in the spirit. And I think we should look at Romans chapter 8 uh, and see what the Bible itself says about walking in the spirit. Here's something that Paul wrote. And Paul was a man who knew something about what it meant to walk in the flesh, our old self, or walking in the spirit, the new self that's been given to us through redemption in Christ. And he begins off with saying, now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And in that you have been set free from the law of sin and death. There is therefore no longer any condemnation upon you. You don't have to carry that weight. Being with Jesus means you are free. It means you are relieved of that burden upon you. For God, verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ is not with him. It does not belong to him. And I think that's probably the first and crucial thing we have to ask ourselves. If I really want to be with Jesus and I really want Jesus to be with me, have I put my faith in Christ? Because the gospel was just preached to us in that passage. My sin, your sin, all of our sins was righteously and justly dealt with at the cross in the body of Jesus Christ. So that his righteousness can then dwell in within us. Talk about the trait of a lifetime. The trait of an eternity. That God would take my brokenness, my sinfulness, my rebellion, my alienation from him, my hostility towards him, and exchange that for the relationship that Jesus has always had with his Father. To be with God and to have God with me. That's what the cross accomplishes. And the question we might ask is, have I trusted that? Have I put my faith in that? Or have I just tried to make it on my own? If I'm trying to make it on my own, then my mind is set on the flesh because it's all up to me to do that. Being with Jesus, it's, it's not all up to me. It's, it's 
receptive of spirit. So, are we with Jesus? Well, that depends on your mindset. That depends where our, our thinking is going. Are, are we just thinking about ourselves all the time? Or the cares and worries and concerns of life? Or are we thinking about the presence of the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do when we give our lives over to Him? When we give Him absolute and complete control of all things? I read a stat somewhere that the average person is spending about 73 hours looking at their phones or their computer screens. That's more than a full-time job and then some. And if we have full-time jobs, and then we're doing that, then how much of this do we give to Jesus in a week's time? Oh, sorry, that stepped on some toes, mine especially. <laughs> so that's probably one of the things that God most wants us to deal with today is how do I change my mindset? How do I get myself where I'm actually practicing uh, the presence of God, which, by the way, is a cool little book by Brother Lawrence. He was this failed soldier who became a monk, and he wrote letters to all these important dignitaries about how to practice the presence of God. You know, even while shucking peas, you know, in the kitchen, he was in the presence of God. We think that, oh, well, you're in the presence of God when you're doing something like what Nick's doing right now in preaching, or you're in the presence of God when you're on a street corner, you know, yelling at people about how they need to turn to Jesus, or you're in the presence of God when you're praying, or when you're leading worship, or, or those guys. No, you're in the presence of God all the time. All the time. You just have to be aware of it. And, and that's the problem, mindset. We need to be more aware that God is with us and wants us to be with him. So spending time with Jesus, man, is spending time with my dad changes me? Is spending time with our friends Bill and Eva changes Lori and me? Then how much do you think spending time with Jesus is going to change you? What do you think is going to transform in your life when you give more and more witness to Jesus? So some things to put in practice, very simple things. Things we already know, but things it's always good to be reminded of. Spending time with Jesus means you've got to read and study your Bible. You've got to get the book out. You've got to read it. You've got to dig into it and read it more times than you read The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> because, you see, it was written by the Spirit who's with us. And it's also illuminated by the Spirit who is with us. And that means He gives us understanding. Uh, something else we have to do more of, I mean, we're doing great maybe right now, but we can always do more, and that's pray the way that Jesus would pray. I'm not going to tell you pray more. I'm going to say pray the way that Jesus would pray. And I don't know how to pray the way Jesus would pray without reading his word. So those two things go hand in hand. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. Because the Spirit's actually uttering the things that we don't even know how to form into words. And then the third thing that we have to do, and, and this, is, this is so important for us to hear today, because thanks to COVID, 30%, one-third of people who used to attend church don't. They've stopped for some reason. And let me tell you what happens when you don't go to church. Now, someone once asked me, Nick, why should I go to church? Now, I tell you, that, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? I said, yes, I am. 
then you know that as a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has indwelt you. Yes, that's right. And I said, you know that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you is manifested through all kinds of giftings that the Holy Spirit gives to us, correct? He goes, correct. And I said, who's the gift for? You? Or is it for the body of Christ? For the body of Christ. That's exactly right. When you don't go to church, you rip the rest of us off. <laughs> He showed up Sunday. <laughs> and it's true, you know, because that's why God has dwelt within us, is so that we can be a benefit of transforming and collective witness with Jesus by gathering together. And I can't tell you how many times by hanging out with other Christians, I've heard Jesus speak to me. You want to hear God's voice? Hang out with God's people. It's as simple as that. And then the fourth thing I would say is serve. And to serve, you've got to move forward. You've got to get up. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. And you've got to say, God, here I go, and I'm not going to do this without you. Not without you. So Jesus promised that if we were faithful to the charge that he gives to us, he would be with us in every way possible. Jesus has shown us that that's the desire of his heart. He has formed us. He has created us. He has redeemed us. He has called us by name. We are his through his work on the cross. And to do what Jesus Christ has called us to do is impossible. To do it alone. We have to be with Jesus. It's a God-sized task. And we need him on the job site. So in a moment, we're about to observe communion. We have a, ta uh, a table in the back, two tables up front. Normally, we have the worship team up here, and uh, they're playing a nice song for us while everybody's going up and getting their stuff. Uh, but then they miss out on getting communion. And uh, I would just like us to quietly and medita meditatively, I almost could not say that word, um, come to the table. Now, here at Common Ground, we practice open communion, which means that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the bread and the cup are welcome to you. And, and I would also say that if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and you want to be with Jesus and you want Jesus to be with you, then, then probably one of the clearest testimonies of that faith is to come forward today and take the bread and take the cup and say, I want Jesus with me. Because when we take the bread and when we take the cup, that's what we're doing. We're saying, Jesus, his death with me. His death for me. His death so that I can be forever with God in all of eternity. So as we partake today, in a way, what we're saying is, God, I'm with you. Every step of the way until the very end of this age. So let me pray, and after we pray, the table is open. Uh, come, and once everybody's been able to uh, take the cup, uh, and the bread together there, uh, or pick it up, I should say, then we're going to share uh, together at the same time. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you that that's your desire. Lord, maybe that's where the biggest act of faith for us is, is for us to understand how much you love us, how much you care for us, how much you want to be with us in every step of the way along the way until the end of the age. 
So God, may, may you find in our hearts a desire to be with you. May you find in, in us a, a desire to change our mindset so that more and more of our life, more and more of our day, more and more of our activities is, is given over to you. Um, Lord, may you find in us a spirit that invites you to be a part of every aspect of our life. Because God, we want you to enhance every aspect of our life. And not just for our own sake, but for the sake of others around us. So Lord, thank you that your promise is that you're already with us. Um, Lord, be with us more. And may we be with you more. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The tables are open. Feel free to come and take After we take together the worship teams, we come up and lead us in uh, one more song of praise and, and worship. Um, and uh, normally after that song, we do the benediction, uh, but I don't want to risk another coughing fit. So once we partake, I'm going to give the benediction and then ask the worship team if they would close, close us off today. All right. Uh, so the body of Christ, the night before Jesus was crucified, while sitting in a meal together with his disciples and them with him. Uh, he lifted up the bread and explained that the bread represented his body broken for our sins. And he said, every time we take and eat of it, we, we are remembering him and bearing testimony uh, as a memorial to what Christ did for us. So let us do so together. And in the same manner, he took the cup and lifted it up, saying that this represented the blood that he would pour out on the cross, the blood of a new covenant, the blood of a promise that God gives to us to forever be with us so that we could forever be with him. Uh, and he said every time we take of this, we bear testimony and remembrance of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. Let us do so together. And then from the words of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, actually the closing of Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthian Christians, uh, I want to use that as our benediction today. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the love, and the God of love, 
and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.
church as you go, would you go remaining in the knowledge that Christ is with you. And wherever you go, he has promised to be with you always to the very end of the age. So grace and peace. Have a wonderful week. I saw your sweet little empire.